0: You are now tuned into The Point, the radio show that explores the Bible, studies its meaning, and affirms your faith with solid Bible teaching. The Point is sponsored by Grace Point Missionary Baptist Church of Early Texas. Grace Point meets for Sunday school at 10 a.m., morning worship at 11 a.m. Grace Point meets at the Early Chamber of Commerce while their new worship facility is under construction. More information can be found online at pointtolife.wordpress.com or by mailing Grace Point Missionary Baptist Church at P.O. Box 3134. Early Texas 76803, that's Grace Point Missionary Baptist Church, P.O. Box 3134, Early Texas 76803. And now, with this week's study of the scriptures, here's Pastor Leland Acker.
1: Happy Easter to you. Today is such a blessed day because today is the day that we celebrate and we commemorate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And today I want to do that with a very special edition of The Point. I want to uh, highlight and focus in on the resurrection of Jesus Christ and what that really means to us, the fact that this does bring us hope, the fact that the resurrection gives us the hope that not only our sins have been paid for, Christ accomplished that on the cross, but when he rose again, he conquered the grave, he conquered death, and so we know that we will have eternal life and we will be able to live with him and his kingdom for eternity we know this because he rose from the grave we know that we will be welcomed into his kingdom because the Bible says he rose to be at the right hand of the throne of God where he ever lives to make intercession for us. So we know that even when we're not living up to our end of the deal, even when we're not living up to God's standard, even when we're not living out a good Christian testimony, we know that the Lord is still up there at the right hand of the throne of God. We know that he is there pleading our case before God and he is speaking up on our behalf. That's a lot to be encouraged about that's a lot to give us hope to give us comfort and to even enhance our faith you know this was uh, a lot of christian institutions religious institutions a lot of churches celebrated resurrection week this past week Uh, they celebrated the entire week they spent the week commemorating the final week that jesus spent in jerusalem They spent the week commemorating the fact that Jesus agonized in the Garden of Gethsemane, that he instituted his Lord's Supper prior to doing that. They commemorate the suffering that he went through, the fact that he went to the cross and that he willingly went to the cross to pay for our sins, to settle the judgment between us and God. You know, for the first time, for the first time this week, I heard some audio from a sermon that was written and and preached by the late dr sm lockridge now you may know dr lockridge he was the uh, guy that preached the my king sermon he also preached another one called sunday's coming and i've got the audio to that posted you can go to our our blog 2life.wordpress.com 2life.wordpress.com i've got it posted there and you can listen to dr lockridge's sermon Sunday's coming Sunday's coming he talks about Friday as we know in Christianity Good Friday the day that we observe the crucifixion of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and Dr. Lockridge talks about everything that was dark about Good Friday he talks about the suffering of Christ the stripes the the scourgings the beatings the mock trials the denial of peter the disciples being scattered he talks about all the darkness and all the evil that came about on good friday but sunday's coming and the special thing about sunday the special thing about easter sunday is that's the day that the lord conquered it all rose again walked out of that tomb leaving it empty he overcame the grave he overcame death death no longer has its victory because death is swallowed up in our victory dr lockridge had a way with words word, and i can't even do his words justice let alone god's word justice but I encourage you to look that up. Just do a search. You can, go, you can even go to YouTube for this. And just uh, do a search for SM Lockridge. Sunday's coming. I think you'll get a lot of encouragement out of that. And that's what the resurrection should do. The resurrection should comfort us and encourage us. And on that note, I'd like to turn our attention to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26, verses 31 and 32. Matthew chapter 26, verse 31 says, Then saith Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. In Matthew chapter 26, Jesus is observing Passover with his disciples. Everything about the Passover that Jesus was observing with his disciples, everything about Passover pointed to Christ and his gospel. It pointed to Jesus, and it pointed to the fact that he would die for our sins, that he would be buried, and that he would rise again. Part of the Passover involved the eating of bitter herbs. You can imagine how that would tie into the gospel, the eating of bitter herbs, these bitter herbs commemorating the suffering that Christ would go through. There is the unleavened bread. There was to be no leaven in the house at all. In fact, even to this day, Jewish people who observe Passover will sweep the houses; to, They will sweep out the cupboards. They will make sure that there is no leaven anywhere in the house. At Passover, when Jesus is observing Passover, they were eating unleavened bread. The unleavened bread represents the sinless body of Christ. Leaven represents sin. So therefore, if there is no leaven, then that points to the sinlessness of Christ. During Passover, they would drink wine. And this was ceremonial drinking of wine. This is not kicking back and downing a few bottles and having a good time. There is the ceremonial drinking of the wine. The wine or the fruit of the vine, as many interpret it, symbolize the blood of Christ. And so as Christ is observing Passover with his disciples, he institutes the Lord's Supper. Now the Lord's Supper points to the gospel, Again, you go to the unleavened bread, which points to and symbolizes the sinless body of Christ. And what do we do with that bread? We break that bread, symbolizing the suffering of Christ. The wine or the fruit of the vine, the grape juice, symbolizes the blood of Christ. And so you have Jesus here in Matthew chapter 26 and he's observing the passover and as he's observing the passover all these things that are part of passover they all point to him and they all point to his suffering on the cross in fact even the hymns that they sang psalm 115 through 118 even the hymns that they sang pointed to the suffering of christ and he's instituting the lord's supper and in instituting the lord's supper he's teaching them the gospel His death, his burial, his resurrection, his sufferings, his atonement for our sins. He's teaching all this through the Passover and through the institution of the Lord's Supper. And so, as they're going through this process, in verses 31 and 32, Jesus talks to the disciples and he makes them a promise. He says, All ye shall be offended because of me this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. He told the disciples that they would be offended and scattered. He told them that they were going to wind up turning their backs on him. He also told the disciples that he would be smitten. He said that he would smite the shepherd. The shepherd, Jesus, would be smitten. That word smitten means to be killed. So he here is talking about his death. But then he promised to rise again, and he promised to meet them in Galilee. And all three elements of these two verses are important to us remembering exactly what it is that Jesus Christ did for us, and us drawing hope and encouragement from that. Jesus told the disciples that they would be offended and that they would be scattered. That word offended meant something different in the King James English than it does now. Today, if you say you're offended, that means you're upset by something. It means that you've seen or heard or seen someone do something that you don't like. It means that you sense that there has been a slight toward you or an insult toward you. But back in Jesus' day, the Greek word that the King James translators drew the word offended from, what they meant by this, the word offended in the King James Bible means to be turned away. Jesus told his disciples that they would be turned away. He told his disciples that they would turn their backs on him. You see, when Jesus would be offended and when he would be, excuse me, when Jesus would be arrested and when he would be hauled off to trial before the high priest, the disciples would scatter. And the reason they scattered was because they were afraid. And the reason they were afraid is because something that they weren't expecting to happen would happen despite all the teachings that jesus gave about the gospel that he would go into jerusalem that he would be betrayed into the hands of men that he would be crucified and killed but that he would rise again on the third day despite all the teachings that jesus put forth on this topic the disciples were still expecting to go into jerusalem and to crown jesus king and so knowing that the disciples were not prepared mentally or spiritually for this moment, Jesus warned them and told them that they would be offended, that they would be scattered, that they would run away. The reason they would do this is because their illusions of an easy passage to the top of the kingdom would be shattered. Their ulterior motives of wanting to be rulers in Israel would be ripped away. And they would have all of these false notions that life was suddenly going to get better, these false notions that they were somehow going to be elevated to royalty to rule alongside Jesus in this life, that they were suddenly going to become rich and wealthy and that they were suddenly going to be large and in charge, all of this would be taken away. Those illusions would dissolve before their eyes and they'd be faced with the reality that Christ came to give his life on the cross for our sins. And so their glorification would not happen in this life. And that being the case, they would be forced to evaluate their faith and to think about what they really believe and to consider whether or not their trust was truly in the Lord, if their hope was truly in the Lord, or if they were looking for things of this earth. And these disciples, in the aftermath of the arrest of Jesus Christ and As he was being crucified, and in the immediate aftermath of his crucifixion, they had to go through a very difficult time of transition and of transformation. And there was a lot that they had to learn over those 40 days that Jesus was on the earth after his resurrection. And there was some transitioning and some transforming that they had to go through in the early part of the book of Acts. There was a lot that they had to learn. The disciples would be offended, they'd be turned away, they'd also be scattered. They'd be fleeing persecution. They'd be running for their lives as opposed to staying with the Lord and going through these trials with Him. You know, the apostle John stayed with Jesus. John followed Jesus through the trials and all the way to the cross, but everybody else had scattered. And in scattering, in having these uh, false notions of what they were expecting to happen, in looking for great things in this life as opposed to looking forward to the kingdom of the Lord and having those illusions shattered. They would run away. They would turn their backs on the Lord. They would fear for their lives and they would fail the Lord. They turned away. They fled. Peter denied him three times and Jesus knew that all this would happen. Jesus knew when the guards were coming to arrest him He knew that when they arrested him that his disciples would scatter, that nobody except Peter would stand up for him, and he didn't want that to happen because he didn't want Peter to get killed. Jesus knew that the disciples would hide out in the upper room. He knew that when they would be told that Jesus had risen again that the disciples would not believe whoever told them that. He knew that in John chapter 21 the disciples would decide to quit serving him And would go back to fishing on the Sea of Galilee. He knew all of this was going to happen. He knew the disciples would fail him. Yet Jesus went to the cross anyway. Jesus knew all about the disciples before he went to the cross. But he went to the cross. And Jesus knew all about us before he went to the cross. Yet he still went to the cross. Jesus knew that we would fail him. That we would at times scatter and turn away. That we would give up on serving him, that we would decide to drop out of church, to drop out of his service because things had become discouraging. He knew that we would backslide. He knew that we would fall away from a faithful lifestyle from time to time and go into sinful practices until the Lord chastises us. He knew that we would fail to live up to our faith. He knew that we would fail to live up to our testimonies. He knew that there would be times that we should speak up for him and that we should share our faith or share the truth of his word and that we would stay silent. He knew that we would fail him, yet he went to the cross anyway. And he did this because he loves us. And he did this to rescue us from the darkness, the hopelessness, and the judgment from our sin. Jesus went to the cross willingly, and he did this knowing that we would be failures, And he went to the cross knowing that we would be failures so that he could rescue us from our failure and that he could transform us from our failure and that he could welcome us into his kingdom where we would no longer fail. He did this because he loves us. He did this knowing that we would fall short. Jesus then told his disciples that he would be killed. Jesus quoted an Old Testament prophecy that said, I will smite the shepherd. To smite means to strike, to kill The Lord, in Zechariah 13, 7, which is the verse that Jesus is quoting, would smite the shepherd. Now notice, it's God who smites the shepherd. Now man betrayed Christ, man scourged Christ, man nailed Christ to the cross, man treated Christ as shamefully and more shamefully than any other man in the history of the world has ever been treated. And Jesus suffered physically, at the hands of men but it is god who poured his wrath out upon christ it is god who punished christ for our sins the bible says in isaiah chapter 53 verse 6 all we like sheep have gone astray we have turned everyone to his own way and the lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all we have all gone astray we have all drifted from the lord we have all Lived outside the Lord's will. We have all gotten caught up in our day to day lives where we have forgotten to include the Lord in our lives, and as such, we have drifted away from Him. Not only that, but we have each turned to our own way. We have rebelled against God, we have sinned against God, we have actively made decisions to go against God's will, to go against God's law, and to be disobedient to the Lord. And this is expressed in how we live toward God. If we live with a certain animosity toward God or a certain disappointment in God or if we live in a certain wrong way toward each other, a certain hateful attitude toward each other, a certain anger toward each other, or if we live in such a way that we take advantage of each other, this is all expressions of our sinful lives. We have all gone astray. We have each turned to our own way according to Isaiah chapter 53 verse 6. And the Bible says, the Lord laid on him, that's Christ, the iniquity of us all. God took his wrath and his judgment for the sin and evil and rebellion in this world, and he placed it on Christ. He placed his wrath and judgment for the sin of the world on Christ. And in doing so, he shielded us from, our ra- from his wrath And saved us from his indignation over our sin. And that's why we call it salvation. Because we sinned against the Lord, we deserve to die and suffer God's wrath for eternity because of our sin against him. But the Lord took God's wrath upon himself. And in doing so, he saved us from God's wrath. And that's why we call it salvation. God saved us. Christ saved us from God's wrath by taking it upon himself. And that's why Isaiah 53, 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Isaiah 53:11 goes a step further. It says, He shall see the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities." This verse tells us that God poured his wrath out upon Christ and as he saw the suffering of his soul, as he saw the suffering of the soul of Christ, he was satisfied. God wasn't satisfied in seeing the physical suffering of Christ. God took no pleasure in the physical suffering of Christ. The physical suffering of Christ was a visual to us so we could see and comprehend to a small degree, the horrific suffering that the Lord was enduring at the hands of his own Heavenly Father, our Heavenly Father. The Bible tells us, as Jesus hung on that cross, he said the words, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? When he said those words, it was not because he felt like he had been abandoned. He said those words because the close loving relationship he had with God the Father went from being a father-son relationship to a judge-prisoner relationship, and Jesus was enduring God's wrath for our sin. But the Bible tells us that he shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. God poured his wrath out upon Christ. He saw his suffering and was satisfied. The need for judgment had been paid the penalty and debt for sin had been retired and therefore we are free if you accept god's gift of salvation through jesus christ you not only need to believe that it happened but you need to accept it believe plus accept equals become do you believe that jesus christ died on the cross for your sins and will you accept his free gift of salvation That he purchased for you on the cross. Will you trust that to get you into heaven? That's accepting Jesus Christ as your personal savior. Read an article recently about a man named Arnold Ray Jones. Now Arnold Ray Jones serving time in a federal prison on drug charges. Federal drug charges. And President Obama issued issued a pardon for Arnold Ray Jones. Arnold Ray Jones was given a presidential pardon. He was given the opportunity to walk out of prison and Arnold Ray Jones refused the pardon. He refused to accept President Barack Obama's pardon of his crimes. The president had issued the pardon, had signed the pardon. It had been delivered to Jones. Jones said, no, thank you. And to this day, Arnold Ray Jones is still in a federal prison. Salvation is a free gift, but you must accept it. Jesus promised to rise again, and he promised to meet the disciples, and this is one of my favorite parts of this passage. In verse 32, Jesus said, but after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee, Jesus, first of all, promised to rise again. He told the disciples he was about to die, but he said after he died, he would rise again. He promised to rise again. The resurrection is important because it's through the resurrection that Christ conquered the grave. It's through the resurrection that the gates of heaven were opened. Christ is the trailblazer that blazed the path into God's kingdom for us. It's through the resurrection that Christ rose up that he ever lives to make intercession for us before the father it's through the resurrection that christ keeps us saved the bible tells us in hebrews 7 25 he is able to save those to the uttermost who come unto god by him seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them it's jesus who keeps us saved by what he tells god when he sits at his right hand of the throne jesus told the disciples he would rise again And when he said, But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. Now, the disciples, when Jesus died, and even then when he rose again, he told the disciples to wait in Jerusalem until they were endowed with power from on high, until they were given the power of the Holy Spirit. But yet, when Jesus is talking to them in Matthew chapter 26, verse 32, he says, But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. Now if he told them to wait in Jerusalem, but yet he's telling them that he will go before them into Galilee, you know what that tells me? That tells me that Jesus knew something that not even the disciples knew at that particular point. And that was that after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, the disciples would become discouragement would become discouraged, and they would go back home to Galilee. In fact, this happened in John chapter twenty one. In John chapter 21, Peter stood up one day and said, I go a fishing. And the disciples said, well, we'll go with you. Now, if I were to tell you I'm going fishing, you would think I'm going out to Lake Brownwood with a rod and reel. And you may say, hey, I want to go too. And I'd say, come on. But this was not a recreational trip. This was not going to be a relaxing Saturday drive in the country. Oh, no. When Peter said in John chapter 21, I go a fishing, then Peter was essentially telling the disciples, I give up. I'm going back to my old life because Peter's profession prior to being a disciple of Christ was that he was a professional fisherman. And when the disciples said, we go with you, they say, that's a good idea. We're giving up too. And so everybody had quit. And everybody in John chapter 21 had gone back to Galilee, to the Sea of Galilee, to fish. If you read John chapter 21, you'll find that Jesus met them on the shore of galilee where he was cooking fish and where he was cooking fish for them he made breakfast for them and he called them back into his service and so jesus here in matthew chapter 26 verse 32 says after i'm risen again i will go before you into galilee what jesus was telling them was that he would rise again and he would meet them at their most discouraging moment this reminds us that no matter how dark things get in our lives how deep of a valley we're going through how far into the depths of despair we find ourselves if we look up we're probably going to find jesus because he went there before us to meet us there to encourage us and to rescue us from the darkness in which we found ourselves this passage reminds us that we serve a risen savior who understands our discouragement, who understands our weakness. Therefore, when we find ourselves in the valley of despair, if we look around, we will find Jesus is already there because he promised to be there because he rose again. And that's why the resurrection is so important for us. You know, Phil Robertson gave his testimony. It's out on YouTube. It's out on the internet. You can probably find it on Facebook as well. And he talks about studying about jesus and learning about jesus and how jesus died for our sins and in dying for our sins he settled the debt that we owed to god for our sins and that he settled god's need for judgment and wrath in essence our fine has been paid and phil robertson said in understanding that basic truth he appreciated the fact that he would be delivered from god's wrath he said but if jesus were still on the ground there's nothing that he would be able to do for us beyond that. But that Jesus has risen from the grave and so he pleads on our behalf before God and he overcame the grave so we know that not only are we spared from God's wrath but we're also given that free gift of eternal life through him. We have much to celebrate this Easter Sunday. We have much to celebrate that our sins were paid for on the cross when Christ gave his life. That our sins were washed away, that we have been cleansed from the stain and the guilt of sin. We have much to celebrate in that after he gave his life on the cross for our sins, he rose again, giving us eternal hope. And we have much to celebrate that he made this salvation freely available to us, that all we need to do is repent of our sins and trust him to save us based on what he did on the cross and the fact that he did rise again and he does live today. We can trust in that and we have the opportunity and the privilege of trusting in that and living in peace. So I don't know what situation that you're going through in life right now. I don't know what concerns you have on your heart right now. But if you refocus your attention to Christ and the fact that not only he cleansed you of your sins on that cross, but he rose again to give you eternal life and you think about the impact of that you have the opportunity to live in peace. I hope you have a wonderful Easter Sunday this year. May God bless you, may God keep you, and maybe someday I'll get to meet you. Thank you, and God bless you.
0: You've been listening to The Point, the radio show that explores the Bible, studies its meaning, and affirms your faith with solid Bible teaching. The Point is a radio ministry of Grace Point Missionary Baptist Church, which meets for Sunday school at 10 a.m., morning worship at 11 a.m. at the Early Chamber of Commerce, 104 East Industrial Drive in Early, just off Highway 377, next to Pate's Hardware. Mail to P.O. Box 3134, Early, Texas, 76803. May God bless you and thank you for listening.